You are listening to the Commerce Insights with Woman podcast, where inspiring industry experts share their experiences and insights with us. Welcome to another episode of Commerce Insights podcast by Wallman. Uh, today I have a special guest with me from London, UK, Phil Greenwood, Sales and Partnership Lead from Skio. Phil, welcome to our episode. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Miko. It's great to be here. <laughs> Good to see you again. Quite many remember you from Klaviyo and now you're working for, for Skio. So kindly introduce you to our listeners. For how long have you been involved in e-commerce overall? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, like I said, and I've, I've been a big fan of the content that you've been putting together and so consistent with. So, um, yeah, for some background, I, I currently lead the, the partnerships uh, effort at Skio. Um, after just under five years of working with Clavio and seeing us go from, I guess, just under just over 100 employees um, in Boston, Massachusetts, where I'm from, and being a somewhat uh, unpronounceable company name, really trying to you know, evangelize the product and not only that, but the brand. Uh, so seeing the kind of early stages of the partner program, the agency program in particular, um, and I think I was really fortunate to to have an opportunity to come over, move to London. Uh, help expand the agency and partnership presence here in Europe. Um, and obviously where you look at Clavio is today, you know, offices globally and one of the you know, top tier partner programs in e-commerce. So um, it's been a really fun journey. I've been really fortunate to have, to meet a lot of great people, obviously working closely with the woman team over the years. Um, and I'm a big believer in how these partnerships can really help merchants stand out and get more value from any vendor that they choose. So everything that you can do to make that experience better is obviously going to help you stand out. And so with Skio, you know, I think we've we've really in, a, in an exciting time for subscriptions. Uh, that was one of the more attractive parts to this uh, opportunity. And, and obviously, just looking at the team, the product, it just seems like there's some really, really special aspects to it. So uh, equally as excited to take on a new challenge and, and hopefully, you know, make a name for Skio across the landscape, similar to what we did with Clavio. Love it. And Phil, as, as you have been in the game for such a long time, I would really much want to hear your opinion that what's your perspective of the current state when it comes to direct-to-consumer subscriptions? What's currently happening on the market, especially in Europe? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that attracted me, um, you know, the opportunity for Skio was that I've always been curious and I think really interested in, in the subscriptions business model. And I think if you look at what's happening, uh, it's subscriptions generally, you know, globally are really having a moment over the past few years. Um, if you look at what that means for business owners, rising costs to acquire customers, changing landscape with supply chain, um, and obviously all the inventory forecasting. So there's a whole list of, you know, of theories on why and how buying behaviors have changed and shifted for good. And I think it makes sense for brands to explore subscriptions as an offering if they see the right opportunity, if their product, you know, fits into that. And so I think a lot of times the customer expectations have definitely evolved and changed, but it really does put the onus on brands to do something to stand out. Um, so ultimately, I think merchants uh, really should aim to offer, you know, a simple, painless subscription management that's mobile friendly and easy to use when, uh, you know, when they only have one hand free, you know, when customers are on a train, on a bus, just trying to make updates quickly. I think that's becoming increasingly important, um, easy to access and just make the process very seamless. Uh, very flexible shipping options is also a key thing here. And shipping intervals is also a big one. Um, and on the whole, I think just being a more valuable um you know, being a more valuable, uh, more than just a product that they that they sign up for, test out and move on from, I think they really need to create experience. So it's exciting to see brands not only experiment with subscriptions, but also, 
you know, take advantage of what that offers up in terms of the customer relationship, the loyalty ideas that could be really effectively implemented and just the, the ideas of how all these come together. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of brands that are either really kind of come up through the ranks and really done a lot to expand their presence in Europe, uh, specifically the UK, I think is where we were seeing the most traction today. Um, but obviously it, it just goes to show there's a lot of uh, disruption in the space. And I feel like that's something that's that's really been exciting to be a part of when you look at how Shopify has continued to adapt and uh, you know keep up with a lot of different uh, demands. And their product roadmap is incredible if you look at what's happened and, and they move up market. And I think that only goes to to kind of help back up, you know, what we're offering, and obviously the bet we've made to to build this for Shopify merchants and and really focus on this uh, this specific vertical. Thanks, really, really valuable insights, and I would need to agree on that because I remember how we did our first subscriptions mainly for for food businesses and similars, and now we see that much of a variety in subscriptions and our customers are more and more demanding subscriptions or are willing to, to explore the subscriptions game. But Phil, from your sort of like perspective, how have the subscriptions evolved in recent years? What has happened uh, with the whole subscriptions game? Yeah, it's it's definitely going through a lot of change recently. If you go back a few years, there were really only a handful of subscriptions apps subscriptions apps in the market, and um, you know these these apps essentially taught merchants and customers what we should expect from direct to consumer subscriptions, um, and it worked brilliantly. I think a lot of customers have have continued to adopt this. Merchants have continued to experiment with it, um, but the. At the time, I think there was also a little bit of a silo that was create, created at that time, right? When when maybe Shopify wasn't as as visible and as pronounced. And obviously, if you look at how the rest of the ecosystem has evolved, um, the data models were pretty simple. The ecosystem was pretty immature, and the general tactics relied on a lot of the kind of simple subscribe and save mindset, which is I think you know a lot of brands have wised up to the fact that that might be a good acquisition channel, but it's definitely not going to work for every brand if you're really careful with your margins. So thinking about today, where we're at right now, um, you know, there's been a pretty, pretty dramatic shift uh, on the whole. When I go back to, again, the buying behaviors, just expectations are a lot higher to deliver a great experience. And if you look at what Shopify has done to really cement itself at the center of this ecosystem, and it's no surprise, we're seeing a lot of exciting innovations to help merchants uh, take advantage of a more modern, flexible list of vendors. You know, looking at the Clavios, the Gorgeous, the Triple Whale, there's a lot of really, really strong players that have really kind of leveled up everybody's game in terms of marketing. So having tools that don't talk to each other seamlessly, um, just more or less, I don't think that that necessarily helps a brand do more with less, right? It, it creates friction for the end customer and, it all, and ultimately, I think, deem a lot of brands um, obsolete with with how they can continue to evolve. So. For Skio, this means building out much deeper integrations to help merchants take more advantage and more control, not only of the customer experience, but being a lot more flexible with how the data gets passed back and forth between these tools. And I think that's going to continue to be a big focus for a lot of the vendors in this space. Really good. Um, what about then, what potential do you see in the growth of subscription models in Europe within the D2C market? You obviously know UK market probably the best, but overall, what would be your your uh, feeling that is there room for more subscriptions? Yeah, like you say, I think my direct experience definitely still more aligns to the UK, but I think on the whole, the subscriptions model is definitely going through a moment of disruption, right? When Shopify opened up the subscriptions API, I think that was generally uh, an opportunity for, for you know players like Skio to enter the market and, and approach this problem 
but with a very different solution and maybe a bit of a different focus on certain aspects of our roadmap. Um, so, you know, when I look at what's happening in the market, I'm a fan of a few brands locally in the UK here, but whether it's Days Brewing, Space Goods, Fussy, Cheeky Panda, um, you can see the way that these brands have grown. And as people have become a lot more comfortable putting products um, onto subscriptions and, and being a bit more comfortable and, and just understanding how much more value that that creates for them, especially at a time like this when costs are, are only rising. Um, I, I love being a customer myself, and I can only say from my perspective, looking out, I think that there's just so many great options out there, and it's fantastic. I think every time you look at what's happening, whether it's pet supplies, food and beverage, uh, cosmetics, home care, I mean, it's amazing how many different things that you can kind of put onto a subscription, and it's a great value for the customer, and I think overall it does create a longer-term relationship with the brand themselves, um, which is great. I love being on the receiving end of this just as much as I like to be a vendor um, working in the space. <laughs> Let's talk a bit more about Skio. So could you share some examples of successful D2C subscriptions that are on your platform and what makes yeah. them stand out? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm happy to name a few that I think would stand out and just what they've done at a very high level. But I would encourage anybody listening who's interested, um, go check out their, their website if you're a customer. Um, hopefully that gives a bit of inspiration for what you're seeing. But I think the start, we've got a customer, Groomy, uh, who's done an incredible job scaling quickly on the back of strong product. Uh, and Skio's SKUSOP feature, which suits their kind of hardware consumable business model. So making it a little easier to swap out some of the products that are in their, you know, their, their catalog and making it a bit more of a valuable, a value add piece of how they can introduce customers to different types of products. Um, so they're a great example. And obviously, if you're familiar with them, you can see how they've grown over the past few years. Um, Everyday Dose, another great example, just, just driving the massive volume in their subscription program and growing it so quickly. Um, and using Skio from day one to create a much more compelling gift with subscriptions offer. So rather than, um, you know, just the typical subscribe and save, or maybe there's different ways of kind of pushing uh, pushing out an order if maybe you've got too much, having the flexibility to gift a subscription to someone else instead of skipping it completely, um, that's one thing that they seem to be doing a particularly good job with. And I think it's also helping to introduce customers, potential customers to their brand um, by way of a gift of a subscription rather than a referral, you know, typical referral scheme that might otherwise be implemented there. Um, and the last one, I think this probably is one that I know that, you know, speaks to a lot of what, you know, we're seeing in in in, in the space when it comes to pet uh, pet products, you know, looking at how uh, brand um, natural dog company, another great example, and they've been working to um, really taking advantage of the, the integration we have with Clavio, um, not just to boost the overall like reporting and understanding, but of what their customers are doing and how they fit in and different across different segments, um, but boosting overall LTV lifetime value uh, for six months by twenty percent by just being able to segment, be a bit more proactive in how they engage with these customers, a bit more personalized. So the fact that Skio has gone so deep into the Clavio integration, obviously I'm a I'm a bit biased, but I think it's probably the best in the market, and I think that the right cu you know customers that are interested uh, in seeing this type of subscriptions data be a bit more. Uh, you know, powerful across those other channels is, is is a really good testament to the way this ecosystem works well together. So again, another example, I think that's Geo, but also selfishly plugging for Clavio on that one. 
Thanks for this. I'll definitely check all of these out and I can recommend our listeners to do the same. But Phil, let's try to help our listeners as well. Yeah. So there might be quite many brands who are now considering subscriptions. They haven't tried them for a reason or another. Maybe they are new on the platform or they haven't quite seen the value or they are thinking that subscriptions are somewhat tricky to execute. So how does the D2C subscription model help in fostering better customer relationships? Absolutely. So I think to start, you know, subscriptions aren't for, for everybody, right? Or every product. Um, historically, I think a lot of merchants might agree, and maybe they felt this when they've gone down this path, it, it can feel really expensive and really, um, you know, cumbersome to try to experiment with it. So I think that's one area where if you look at what Skio's done, and obviously what some of the other players in the market have done to try to help, okay, maybe this doesn't need so to be so painful uh, to test out. So I think the, the more important part is when you're thinking about planning this out, um, you know, work with the right partners, making sure that this obviously fits into the rest of your business plans and, and obviously for the goals you have in place for this year. Um, so that just with that caveat in mind, I think overall subscription models do allow merchants to really get to know customers better, um, whether it's the buying behaviors, preferences. So as your product ranges expand and improve, you've got an incredible base of customers to interact with, uh, not just increased sales and increase overall, you know, uh, revenue for the business. Uh, but to learn very quickly whether or not you need to continue investing in these products into these right channels. Um, and obviously it reduces those costs uh, in terms of advertising incredibly. So that ability to have that connection and almost that uh, established connection, you know, with that recurring payment does give you a ton of opportunity to get to know customers better. Um, I'd also say that then bleeds nicely into the kind of engagement in another way uh, is another easy win, you know, when it comes to having subscriptions. So, if you're selling a high ticket product, or maybe you're selling a piece of furniture, something that doesn't necessarily lend itself to subscriptions, um, you really only got maybe a few, one or two opportunities to engage with a customer, establish that relationship, and it's probably not the easiest way to try to pick through and understand your retention uh, overall when you sell those types of products. So with subscriptions, obviously you have a lot more, I guess, flexibility, right? You know, customers have opted in, not just to receiving the product regularly, but also to hear from you, right? About other options, uh, other offerings, other value add content, helping them get more value from your product over time. And especially if you look at some of the types of products, again, thinking through kind of food and beverage, uh, health um, and pet pet supplies, obviously, you know, these can, you know, these are used every day. You know, these replenishables, these are replenishables that obviously get, you know, pretty good, uh, a lot of shelf time, a lot, a lot of space in, in the rest of your cabinet. So you're using them all the time. And it's also another way of thinking through, okay, now we can build this a bit more uh, long-term relationship. We can take these, op these, take these opportunities and engage a bit more proactively to help the customer continue to get more value from the product. Um, the last thing I'd point out is just the idea of the kind of, the idea that loyalty and memberships are really tied nicely with, you know, subscriptions overall. Subscriptions give you an incredible chance to build a more, I guess, build a better community, right? You can offer more benefits and rewards for customers. Uh, and this is a huge advantage that I don't think you have if you're if you're not doing subscriptions, right? If you're doing subscriptions, you know, you can use our features. We've got a few that are do a really good job of helping to surprise and delight uh, customers, right? Giving them an actual gift, maybe giving them a discount for being a loyal customer after a certain order so that you can provide the customer more value along the way. And obviously continue to focus on how do we keep this fresh? How do we keep this interesting? And I think that's something that overall, you know, subscriptions uh, models are obviously doing a really good job of and, and probably more than others, um, you know, 
one-off types of selling motions. It, it's a very difficult thing to try to get that type of engagement. So having the tie-in between you know, the different types of benefits and rewards you're able to offer because you know the customer so well is a huge uplift, a huge benefit to subscriptions models, I think. Thanks, Phil. Uh, you gave some really valuable insights here and very practical advice as well. So thanks for this. Then the next question is related to the fact that we try to be as transparent as possible because we truly want to care for our customers. And that has mm -hmm. been one of our key promises here as Wallum. And so what about then the challenges? What challenges do companies typically face when implementing a, a subscription model? And how yeah. can we help there? Yeah, I think again, like you mentioned, having a partner that knows exactly, you know, what what you're doing across the rest of the business, right? Because uh, subscriptions is obviously just one part of the uh, the overall business. Um, broadly speaking, as I mentioned, I think launching subscriptions can be ex time consuming, tech heavy, is expensive in in most cases. And if I think the way that the ecosystem has continued to learn very quickly, like how to how to speed up your your launch, and obviously learn very quickly on how to make changes. Um, so obviously understanding what that lift is going to be and what that level of effort is going to require uh, is definitely something to factor in, right? And how you can start to um, plan out your supply chain. And, and obviously this can be a tricky time for any brand who's making a big bet on something new, right? And, and like subscriptions, anything else, you need to demonstrate that this is going to give you the right return very quickly, um, whether it's to your investors, to your board, or, or maybe this is just a way of you know, increasing, increasing revenue so that you can make it to next year. If this is a brand new venture for you, obviously this can be a challenging time overall. So it, it's, it's not really easy to decide how and where to launch a subscription offering, but it's no surprise that these can be exaggerated, exaggerated a bit, you know, when you're being forced to choose different payment gateways, um, or where and when to launch a, uh, where to launch a subscriptions, depending on the countries you're operating with, where you're working with shipping partners, you know, I think all of those make it very challenging to to try to plan these activities out all the more reason to work with a partner that's obviously seeing a lot of these different challenges across a portfolio and maybe working in different regions because at the end of the day the customer experience you know customers aren't gonna they don't really care about all that right like so the customer support the customer experience that they get across these these different um you know different parts of your website and buying buying journey they need to be consistent and i think again if you're being smart about it you, there shouldn't be any trade-offs that reduce the ability to give customers a great experience. So I think all of those all of those factors need to be kind of planned out and, and really thought through so that it makes sense and you're not just jumping into something that, you know, whether or not it makes sense for the long term uh, is one thing, but you really don't want to damage your reputation when, you know, there's just so many things happen. There's so much noise in the market and the last thing you want to do is, is leave a customer with a terrible experience by accident or not even thinking about, um, you know, what that could have a knock-on effect in terms of retention overall. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and then uh, going forward, as we met in London a few weeks ago, we mm -hmm. talked about data, 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 all the time yeah. about data and analytics, and they are very much like linked topic with the subscription. So Phil, um, how do you see the role of technology and, and, and data analytics in, in boosting growth of DTC subscriptions? What's the role of data? Absolutely. I think, you know, talking about you know, customer first data, first party data, zero party data, it's obviously it's a hot topic across every conversation that brands are thinking through and understanding what channels are working best for them. So one of the biggest challenges that we come across and one of the biggest frustration points in terms of what subscriptions apps are doing is being able to really trust the data that they report out to their board of directors, their investment partners on how many subscribers they have, what type of performance they have across month uh, from month over month. Uh, so 
that alone, you know, puts a big onus on us to make sure that we we do it the right way. And so we've recently launched our own data platform, um, which is really exciting. And obviously the way that we've approached this, just making it much more reliable in-house analytics. So that alone, you know, is something that we want to try to get right. And then you can start to look out at the rest of the market, you know, Triple Whale and what they've done for attribution and different ways that customers can really trust the channels they're investing in. Obviously, Clavio has done a fantastic job in how they've approached the CDP. So I don't think the goal should be to replace uh, and own every single part of the analytics story. Um, but if you can, tr if the data coming out and the data that you're making accessible is trustworthy, then I think, you know, we've done something really, really important for our merchants. Um, the fact that we're shop, you know, focused entirely on Shopify um, is is really fun for me because I think we get to know the ecosystem even better, right? There's plenty of greenfield here to talk to merchants, understand their challenges, and um, you know, the fact that we're really only focused on this ecosystem, you know, hopefully means we can be selective about the types of partners that we work with and how we can make sure that the the data that we produce, the data that we're making accessible for merchants, is really going to play in nicely across their other platforms they're using. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of this does kind of stem from knowing what data you need to produce and how trustworthy that should be and what the audience is going to look like, uh, and not trying to be a catch-off if that's not your purpose or if that's not what we're trying to, 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 to serve as for our merchants. I think there's, there's enough specialization out there that if we do the right thing for our merchants by giving them trustworthy subscriptions data, um, then they can take that and understand exactly where they need to continue to invest and understand what type of strategies they should implement when they think about the other tools they might be looking at this data across. Are you tired of manual data collection? Would you like to get more actionable insights from data to increase your profitability and forecast future sales? We at Woolman, a leading Shopify Plus agency, have a solution for you. Ellis is an AI-driven business intelligence tool that combines data from multiple sources into a single view, customizable dashboard. With Ellis, you can make data collecting, reporting, and analyzing a breeze. It does all the work for you. Get a deeper insight into your customer segments, clarity on product and store performance, visibility into future sales, and so much more. Get a free demo now and start leading your business with data-driven decisions today. Thank you. That sounds super interesting. And I love how passionate you are about the data and analytics part. That actually warms my heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the other thing is that I've actually heard the same from pretty much many partners like lately that quite many are focusing on, on Shopify only. So that's definitely a trend that, that we see. And as we an agency are on uh, Shopify only as well. So that's actually like a win-win for us as well. So we are happy to support partners who have like full focus, full focus Absolutely. on Shopify. Yeah, the power of partnership is, is alive and well. Yep, truly. Um, then let's look about the future, Phil. So what future trends or opportunities you see, you foresee in the uh, sort of like commerce environment? What's happening in the yeah, near future? Absolutely. So I think seeing the different types of brands and products adopt subscriptions is really exciting. Right. And, and the more brands, uh, as the more brands uh, adopt subscriptions, this hopefully means we're going to see a lot more experimentation across these different verticals, which should, I think, excite investors uh, and anybody who's 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 thinking about getting involved in the direct-to-consumer brand or starting their own brand. Right. I think a lot of this will help encourage higher spending customers to engage with the brand. Right. If you're selling a product that might not be typically aligned to subscriptions, but obviously that could help increase lifetime value across the board. And just make the entire you know customer experience a lot more enjoyable because then that engagement that you're creating, that recurring you know communication, uh, it only creates a better customer experience. So it's interesting to see brands like apparel, apparel brands experiment with subscriptions or membership schemes 
I think that's exciting. I look at that and think that that's definitely going to only help end customers um, get a better buying experience. Now, in terms of trends, I've listened to so many thought leaders talk about AI, and and I know that might have may or may not have come up today, but I think like you know, even I read to yesterday, it could be the end of humanity. And I don't know exactly what to make of that. It sounds a bit bleak to me, but I, I am hopeful that we'll learn how to harness this. And I think there's definitely going to be some incredible output for brands, for, for brand owners, especially that are trying to do more with less. Uh, and I assume that there's a lot smarter people out there with more influence that are going to be able to debate this and, and obviously put together a plan long-term, but I'm, I'm an optimist on this type of stuff. Um, and you know, I, I obviously really hope that the technology gets put to good use across the board and, and the kind of trends that we're seeing. Um, it's only going to help DDC brand owners extend and amplify their capabilities. Um, and if we focus on getting more value from the tools and if the tools are willing to work closely together and if this is the direction that things continue to go, I, I can only imagine that as a brand, it's it's going to be pretty exciting with what you're capable of in a very short, uh, short uh, period of time. Fully agreed. I think like if, if you're using the best tools for a positive purpose and you are truly willing to learn, then then that's the uh, way to go. Um, moving on, and this is probably the, the toughest question, and I'll slightly explain this because if I if you would ask my colleagues, I have been talking lots about the uncertainty in the market, so much that they are bored to death. But I just came from a customer meeting and they asked me that please provide more content about the uncertainty, explain the uncertainty. So I will I will ask that from you as well. So how do you feel about the current uncertainty on the market, whatever that yeah. then means? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's start with what the obvious kind of truths are really, which is that the there's obviously a lot more pressure on brands to manage costs and what types of products they're going to focus on um, and how that's going to, I, I try to come at this from an angle of being an end customer, right? And and just what this is going to look like for me, because it helps me be a bit more optimistic about what the actual end result's going to be, right? So if there's a couple examples where I feel like the buying experience is going to continue to improve because there's so much more pressure on brands to really stand out. And as an end customer, I feel like that's going to benefit benefit everybody in terms of what they can expect from from these different uh, experiences. Um, obviously, if the market continues to contract, I think it's safe to assume a lot of brands are going to double down on their online presence, right? So obviously, that that's good for us. That's good for this industry. It hopefully means that again, just like we saw during COVID and, and people being, you know, stuck at home all the time, I think like we saw a lot of innovation in a very short amount of time. So I feel like that's something to to really focus on. And if you're planning out your year and, and you know, how you're going to budget for this year, I, I don't think that this, you know, I think brands that are focusing and making the right bets on their online presence are going to kind of come out on top. And hopefully that omni-channel element is also going to highlight and shine through, especially with what's happening in, in brick and mortars opening up again. But obviously it's becoming a lot more expensive and, and maybe, on um, you know, pretty difficult. To, in terms of the controlling costs and how this is going to translate into long-term uh, budgeting and planning. Um, you might have picked up on this already, but I try to be an optimist uh, most of the time in, in any public speaking. So I'm probably not the best person to try to answer this question in a like practical sense or more or less because I like to focus on what's in front of me and, and, and how I can control certain things. But um, personally, I, like I said, I think I'm optimistic about the direction that we see these you know, directing consumers uh, going and obviously in the face of a lot of these challenges. Um, from my perspective, the pressures that are going across the board, cost control, data privacy, reducing carbon footprint, this is going to make me feel a lot better as a consumer, right? It'll hopefully lead to some positive changes for the end customer and maybe retain us a bit, uh, retrain us a bit in how we uh, determine where we shop. 
Um, and I'm also encouraged by the number of people working on this, whether it's solutions, providers like Woolman, vendors, uh, leaning in to help brands get more value across their tech stack. So I feel like the ability to integrate and make more impact with the customer data is going to be a pillar to growth. Uh, and I also, this is, I think a lot of this is going to come down to enabling brands to focus more calories on strategy instead of manning, you know, managing tech debt and, and just figuring out ways that they could just do more you know, with the tools that they have and, and not just jumping to the next shiny object, you know, every time there's a, there's a new platform, there's a new <laughs> tool, just being really smart and deliberate, but also looking out into their peers and, and thinking about what's working well and, and doubling down on those strategies so they can continue to focus on the right things and, and maybe not just managing a whole list of, of tech vendors. Thanks. And good to hear that uh, you still have some positivity and, and even during these times, you try to remain as positive as possible. I, I have to admire that adi attitude. Yeah, try to be, try to be. I'm not, I'm not an expert enough where I can jump in with any hard hitting opinions on the, you know, the, the other side of it. So I try to try to focus on that. Cool. Uh, then what if we jump like two steps further? So what do you see happening during Q3 or, or, or upcoming months later this year? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I was doing, you know, I was looking into this yesterday, this week, just ahead of time. And, you know, when you read about these household names, um, such as Superdry, ASOS going through these pretty big shifts in how they operate and spend. Um, and I'm sure many online retailers are still making those changes to operating models to deal with change in like different online consumer behavior, especially as brick and mortar stores kind of reopen, but also reevaluate their, their strategies. I feel like that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Um, when you see those types of, uh, you know, those types of brands that are doing some, some, whether it's raising equity or trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, to pivot and keep up with uh, some of these D D2C C challengers, I feel like you can see Shopify leaning into that as well. Um, I feel like that's a big part of the journey that we're on, which is just Shopify as they move up market. That's a really exciting thing for for everybody because I feel like that's just only going to level up the playing field across the ecosystem, and you can start to see some of the larger brands adopt Shopify Plus and Shopify. Um, across their portfolio, which I think is is really encouraging, and hopefully, hopefully means the ecosystem can continue to move up with them. Um, you know, obviously, customers are are buying less, you know, due to any number of reasons. You want to list off cost of living, inflation. Uh, so, customer retention is going to continue to be a big focus for any online retailer. Obviously, you know, being in subscriptions, you know, we're in a really we're in a pretty visible spot there when it comes to how do we help customers retain customer or retain their merchants, retain their customers. Um, so I feel like that's going to continue to be a big focus for the brands that are that are thinking about their their next uh, 12 months or so. And obviously, when you think about what consumers are doing and, and how they look at their, you know, how they look at their spending, um, their money, it's only going to pile on pressure for brands to do more and offer, you know, going beyond just the kind of discount to sign up for an email, subscribe and save on the incentive on their website. Um, it's really going to, I think that the, the direction things are going, that loyalty and membership piece is going to continue to kind of be a, a big pillar for growth and obviously a big pillar for more meaningful relationships with customers. So finding ways to retain customers by giving them, you know, more flexible options for buying better returns and exchanges uh, and just overall more value in the form of, um, you know, being a customer. And, and I think that's going to be a key differentiator um, for any online brands that we work with. But obviously, if you look at the rest of the landscape, you can see the people that are doing this well, it's teams seem to stand out. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's worth keeping an eye on how this is working and what other type of strategies, smaller brands, um, could take away and, and maybe implement for themselves. 
it's easy to agree on on your on your thoughts um and thank you for being here today phil uh, my last question is that do you have any final words and also that where can people find more about skio if they are they are interested absolutely so um thank you for having me first and foremost but yeah if anybody's interested in learning more about skio uh, skio.com Uh, you'll find us. We could definitely would love to speak to you and obviously share more about what we're doing for Shopify merchants. Um, we've got an cr- incredible team uh, that we're working with right now, and I think they've been launching uh, an incredible uh, volume of, of new features, which has been really exciting to talk through. And obviously, as we build out our program um, with agency partners, um, equally as interested in having to you know having those conversations. So, if there's anything I can do to help, please don't be shy. Reach out, and I'm I'm more than happy to give you an intro to Skio. Uh, and uh, it obviously, I think a big part of how we're we're approaching this is you know working with experts like women. So I'd be remiss not to give the woman team a shout out just because of what you're capable of doing. Not just with the, uh, you know, uh, not just with one particular uh, country vertical. I mean, as as much experience and much of as many shared projects that we've worked on together. Um, you know, it's it's nice to know that there's partners out there that are seeing the big picture and helping us connect dots for merchants where. Um, you know where they have these ambitions, and sometimes it's not as straightforward to figure out where they can take it. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for all of your kind words, and thank you for being with us. Tune thank in you, for Michael. a next pe- episode next Monday. Commerce Insights next Monday again. Thanks, Phil. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks, Miko. Bye.